0: Look, I mean, let me just say this very clearly to everyone listening. You're a 10-time developer. You're an 100-time developer. We love and support you.
1: Need to accept payments in your app? NMI's Omnichannel platform has powered payments for more than 20 years. It's flexible, feature-packed, and easy to integrate on any OS. Visit NMI.com slash podcast today to start earning more from your software. All right. Good morning, everybody. Hey, morning. back morning. Stack Overflow Podcast. Fall colors are here.
0: Went to the doctor, got my pumpkin spice injection. It was cool.
2: That's so nice. Mm. I went apple Love picking that. this weekend. You uh, go to the tree and you take apples off of the actual tree.
0: It really is wholesome, isn't it? I've done it.
2: It really is. And it's only $35, which saves you a lot on apples, you know?
0: Does it? (laughs) That's a lot of apples. That's like you need, like, you now need to eat, like, a very large bushel.
2: I got, like, 10 apples, so.
1: Yeah, make a pie. Only
0: Mm. $3.50 per apple. Per apple. What a (laughs) deal.
2: What could they cost at the supermarket?
1: You did the work of picking them, so obviously they should be cheaper. (laughs) Yeah,
2: here's $20. Buy a banana.
1: A little question popped up today in our Stack Overflow nose feed. Do developers fear merge conflicts? I'm a beginner at collaborative development and I started learning about merge conflicts. And I have this question Is it possible for a developer to deliberately postpone merging because he or she doesn't want to be the one resolving a potential conflict? And then the first answer has been sent to Oh, God, yes. I broke build my first time.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's real. You know what what I've noticed is as someone who is not a daily contributor, but kind of works Mm -hmm. on side projects or people are helping me with something or I'm going in and issuing a request, like this is a hard, hard part of the world unless you're daily managing merge conflicts in in Git.
2: Yeah, it gets easier once you do it a whole bunch of times in a row, you know, because and then you're like anticipating it. But then when it's been like six months since you've had a merge conflict and you hit a merge conflict and you're just like... Oh man, I think I think I know what I think I know what I know. <laughs> well,
0: it, it's like what's you know. So it's like, what's yeah. your merge tool? And there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of ways to like visualize the merges. And then for me, I'll be on the Mac and it'll pop up that whatever that thing is, that is the default merge tool in the Mac. It's got those arrows pointing every which way. And they've tried to make it intuitive, but it's intuitive in like a 1990s object-oriented way where it's just like yeah. it's like speech bubbles all smashed together in some cartoon from hell. And you're just like where yeah. <laughs> and you're clicking arrows back and forth. And then if you don't do it that way, if you do if you're like, I'll just figure this out on my own, you just end up with these like 5 million broken files with greater thans and less than scattered everywhere
2: yeah that's always <laughs> what i do I, i'm always missing two of them
0: oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, there's
2: supposed to be two arrows right here and i'm like ah.
0: things can really go like and you know in pearl how can you even tell like it's very problematic and just stuff starts breaking all yeah. over the place first of all it's it horrible like it is really good at what it does but the interface is just rough
2: yeah it's better than subversion if you remember those days because that was kind of like yeah there wasn't such thing.
0: It's just there's no aspect of it that is intuitive. The same is true with Unix. Like, we're like, look at how easy these little command tools are. It's so short. Or Echo. You know, yeah. you're just like, I'm not punching cards in 1972 at an insurance company. Like, maybe you could cut me a break. But no, no, no. We're all going to learn. We're all going to work <laughs> together. And that, that's what gets like. And But yeah, that the merges are, I find that to be the toughest part or get it, whenever you get back in and you're like, oh, we're squashing in a certain way, and it's just like culture right. builds up in development teams around aspects of Git usage, and you really do feel like an outsider. It's so religious and important that everybody follows the same GitHub sort of practices and the same the same workflow, Right. that when you don't know it, you feel like a complete clown.
1: And the answer here, which is from Candied Orange, who I believe I shouted out for a lifeboat recently, after saying, oh God, yes, you know, this is something that has happened to me and I broke build, ended up saying, I created like a, a toy project where they would go in and deliberately cause merge conflicts and then learn how to fix them the hard way, which reminds me of, yeah, one of my favorite jujitsu instructors. You put yourself in like a really bad position where it's like, I shouldn't have got here. I'm in, I'm I'm in deep trouble. And then you figure out how to get out and just do that, you know, over and over and over. And then by the time you get ended up in that stuck position, you know your way out.
2: Yeah, that sounds very intense. I mean, you want to just merge what you're doing and go on with your day. But practice makes perfect.
0: No, let's contrast jujitsu, you know, a martial arts discipline focused on the mastery of self and sort of finding ways to be in the world with Mm -hmm. software merging, which should freaking work and be pretty obvious and intuitive. Yep. (laughs) Right. Like it's a very good simile. It's a very good comparison you just created, but also it points to something really fundamentally broken in how our. Uh, that part of the developer experience works.
1: I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe in the future, there'll be a little option that's like, would you like me to try and fix this for you? And the AI will jump in and just try to do it as opposed to giving you the arrows and the advice and hoping you'll get through it yourself.
2: Yeah, the idea is it's supposed to do that already. And then when it gets confused, mm-hmm. it gives you the Eros.
0: Anyway, look, it's Git's world. We live in it, and as a result, we get to complain. God knows it was created by Linus Torvald. So if that—that's a person who is immu- immune to complain, I'm sure
2: his his email address is definitely on the internet in many places. Uh, feel free to send your complaints <laughs> to him directly.
0: Git <laughs> uh, is one. Of, I mean. It is just such a world shaping technology too. Like we just take it for granted yeah, now. Yeah. It, it just it utterly blew because as Sarah's pointing out, Subversion and CVS they sucked. They were really hard to use, and everything broke even even worse ways.
2: I remember like uh yeah. like it's been a long time, but I think I remember like you, no one could be in the same file at the same time type of situation where you had to be like I'm working on this thing. There were like locks on files
0: branching was really hard and yeah, no, locking, I think Subversion actually helped you through that. There were strategies, but like that was the great wrestling match, right? And so like the thing that actually is underutilized is the decentralized aspect. The, the whole idea of Git was that anyone could have a full source repository at any time and you could kind of meet up in the middle of the forest yes. on a long hike and be like, hey, I've been working on this for months. And they'd be like, I've been working on this for months. And you'd be like, let's, let's get together and create one shared repository. <laughs> so no, it was bad. RCS CVS version, they were tough. They still are. They're still out there, still doing their thing. But that, that idea of like just all the history coming with you and it wasn't centralized and it was it was sort of all packaged together. The one the thing about Git that is miraculous is that you really can shoot yourself in the foot, but you can undo. You truly can. As a as a as a version control system, it's really hard to completely hose it in such a way that you can't ever get back. Whereas I remember trashing subversion repositories and being like, whoops, sorry, (laughs) like, we'll we'll (laughs) never work again. See, that toy sandbox doesn't sound so bad now. Git is a land of contrast.
1: Sarah, you mentioned uh, on an episode recently that you were starting to play around with Jupyter Notebooks and trying to set some up. Have you made any progress on that project?
2: Tomorrow morning, I actually have hours set aside for exactly that. That's the best way I can do I can do these things. It's just like put some time aside and get dig down and get started and Nick from our community management team is generously offered to help. So, I'm looking forward to digging in. That'll be fun.
1: What's the what's the like motivation? What are you going to once you get that working? What what are you hoping to do with
2: it? Um, I think the thing that I find myself doing often is switching between graphs and texts and then pulling Mm. graphs into my text by taking pictures, you know, I just like, I'll be in Excel, I'll have data in Excel, you know, like the typical product thing of getting your KPIs and data together, taking pictures, bringing it over to the Google Doc, so people can annotate it, that kind of thing. And Jupyter Notebooks, you can just do that right in the notebook, and people can see the data fairly easily and switch back and forth. So I think that That sounds like a nice skill to have. The
1: length of that sentence makes me feel like you've thought long and hard about this problem. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's just so uh, elegant being able to do everything in the same place.
1: And Paul, you're a big fan, right? We've talked about this before.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Python. I'm a big fan of Jupyter Notebooks in theory. I find keeping your head wrapped around the state really hard, just sort of like what's being executed when and where and and where things are being declared. And it's a new way. It's a different way of working than I'm used to. I also like org mode in Emacs lets you have sort of live interactive code notebooks along those lines with the output flowing straight in. And so I have a tendency towards that because I just know that world pretty well. But no, Jupyter's amazing. Mm. It's like the live code notebook idea is so good. Observable is really good. If you go and look up, a, I think it's Observable HQ. It's, it's the same thing with JavaScript and it's uh, really focused on visualization. So there, there's just, I can't tell if interactive code notebooks are the future or not. Like it's one of those things sort of like visual programming where I'm like, God, that's probably the future, but I'm not quite sure how. What do you think, Sarah? Is mm-hmm. it the future?
2: Uh, I think it's kind of like, you know how for a while you had designers that did designs, and then all designers knew HTML and CSS? You didn't really know how that happened. People knew how that happened. I was just kind of like, whoa, look at that. Yeah. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think it seems like one of those things that's going to be like that, too. It seems like it's very possible. You never know. But I think it's very possible. That it becomes a standard that some people are proficient in, some people and aren't, but people start to prefer communicating in that way.
0: Do you want to know how to make interactive notebooks explode? In my opinion, how to make them take over the world? Yeah. How the default presentation mode is not one big long web page, a la a scientific paper, but rather a PowerPoint-style presentation.
2: Yeah, people don't like that. Yeah, I know. I think that's exactly right. Someone's going to have to invent that because that community is not going to be amped when you do that.
0: No, that's right, though. But like, like every chart should build yeah. with an animation and so on and so forth. Because the hard part with the notebooks, building them is, you know, if you know how to program, building them is not that hard. They're pretty, really good at it. And they offer an unbelievable yeah. amount of stuff under the hood. But they're impossible to share or present except to other people who are excited by receiving live interactive program-centric notebooks, which is like not a lot of people. It's the good people. It's the people we love. It's people we care about a lot. But nobody else wants to. Nobody wants that. That's the problem. Like no executive wants to. Oh, good. A large interactive thing that I don't understand. How wonderful. That's just not what the market wants. (laughs) The market wants, you know, just a nice interactive notebook that they can share with their smart friends.
1: So I guess this piece is a little bit old now, but there was a piece from Reed Hastings over at Netflix. Did you guys see this one? Paying sky high salaries to developers? Yes, no. No, 100%. I
0: haven't. I, you know, because my Google alert for Reed Hastings must not have gone off. But what's What's happening?
1: Well, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth about the 10x engineer, and you know whether it's a bad idea to sort of lionize certain people as opposed to the team, and you know the, the idea of working together. And in this post, Hastings goes goes really far out. He's saying the best engineers aren't 10x; they're 100x. They should be paid whatever price is necessary. And the difference is not that they're harder working or necessarily more intelligent, but that they're more creative and have the ability to see conceptual patterns that others can't. I don't know. That gets us back to kind of that auteur idea, that artist, that lone genius. Let's take a step
0: back. Why do we keep having this conversation, right? Like I think there's a couple yeah, good c- question. There's a couple conversations happening. So first of all, I don't think that it is a ridiculous statement that certain people are really smart and really productive and other people are not as smart and not as productive. We know that. Now, the question is, who gets to make that assessment and how do they get rewarded, right? And is the smartness, is that gap closable? more education and more support
2: yeah why in in programming is it uniquely like a 10 like do we call a 10x journalist like it's probably like that guy is good at journalism
0: (laughs) no i mean every now and then there's like a breakout star so there will be like michael lewis michael lewis is a breakout journalism star who gets paid many more dollars per word than other people do
2: yeah that makes sense that there's breakout stars but no one's like Oh, Michael Lewis is 10X, the value of any other journalist.
0: It doesn't lock in the same way in the conversation. It, it's just sort of what happens is that a person can, I mean, why does a person get that kind of success? It's because they can, if you put them on the cover of the magazine and they write an article, they will sell more copies or they will get more people to pay attention to the publication. And that's a really good thing. That right. So like engineering is different, right? Like this is someone who can move a lot faster and make many more connections more quickly and be really productive Mm -hmm. an enormous amount of the time if that person can't collaborate and work inside of a a modern product environment they're actually very destructive because they only want to work on what they want to work on
1: i guess right like the difference may be as sarah was pointing out like why don't we say this about other people obviously in sports some athletes get paid 10x you know there are superstars in 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 every uh field
0: i think we're using we're using this this conversation around talent to hash out a lot of the things that are just utterly busted in tech Right, like I mean ten x engineers tend to look and behave a certain way and have a certain age, and you know right. they
2: yeah, <sighs> that's the thing and that's the thing too, is like well, like the ten x conversation is very different than a conversation of this person's talented, this person right. is good, this person sh- deserves to be rewarded. It's like always been approached by like a binary, like you're either a ten xer mm-hmm. or you're a non ten xer mm-hmm. and and so it's like where's the spectrum here?
1: I mean, there's a piece from from our, our friend Clive Thompson over at Fast Company that digs into this and, you know, names a p- couple of people who had big impacts. But I think sports maybe is a good analogy here, which is like, sometimes you can have a superstar who's getting paid a ton, but who isn't a team player at all. And they can't make the playoffs year after year after year. And it's like, you know, this person obviously has enough talent, but like, if you can't fit into the team and it's the same way with the code, like you're actually not contributing. Sometimes a group of slightly less talented, but, you know, better teammates are going to be the ones who succeed, right?
0: This one is so hard because what you're dealing with is like, You're dealing dealing with like capitalism head on, which is that if I can align certain people who have a set of skills and the ability to get an enormous amount done with the goals of my enterprise, oh my God, I can print money because they really are able to turn the product around so much more quickly with so much less conversation. And that's really exciting and motivating to me, comma, capitalist. But is that sustainable? Probably not. It probably burns out in a couple of years. And also anybody really smart and talented, unless you are like a superstar company like Google. They're going to want to go do their own thing. Like Google's really good at that. It captured like all the smart Unix people from the last 25 years and just dropped them into various labsy endeavors. And what do they get as a result? They get things like Go, they get infrastructure. Like you're able to, they're able to capture mm. infrastructural change and, you know, language development, stuff like that. You know, really smart and talented people tend to kind of like, they go down the stack and they explore and they want to do art and they're weird.
1: All right, cool. What else should we chat about today, y'all? I dropped a bunch of links and in. anything interesting happening in your personal work. Sarah, you want to talk about it? Sarah's always got a relevant XKCD she wants to go over.
2: Yeah, it's it's very relevant because it's I think it's every parent's nightmare of their kids finding the message board they were complaining on when they were their age.
0: Yeah, the, the, like, old PHP, PHP BB message boards could easily be, like, 18 years old now. And, yeah, children, 15-year-olds are finding their mother complaining. Yeah, what would be
2: embarrassing? How would your, what would your kids find that would be very embarrassing for you?
0: My entire online presence over the last 25 years?
2: (laughs) Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah,
0: no, I gotta, I mean, literally, you know, they're, by the time they get old enough to figure out they can Google their dad. First of all, you just have to have faith in your children just finding you excruciatingly boring and uninteresting. They don't want to know anything yeah. about you if they can help it. And that's that's where we're, you know, that's right. what I'm counting on.
1: Yeah. Hard to know what does, if they, when they go back and look at my early social media flailings, the kind of like, is the, is this mic on kind of stuff? Yeah. Are they going to think that's cute in a retro way, like a black and white photograph? Or are they going to think that's really embarrassing
2: probably embar- embarrassing is the default i think paul has a good point like embarrassing the default you just have to assume
0: it's all going to be our fault
2: no no
0: yep no you they can't
2: fig- no they Literally, can't do that a picture no picture of absolutely sarah not. chips
0: in the future in ai will standing
2: be like, idly by
0: mhm sarah chips she she talked a good game but what did she really do <laughs> 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 and don't worry, like they will already have re- resurrected <laughs> oh, my consciousness and set it on fire. That's...
1: <laughs> wow, Paul, I had no idea. You're, you're in for a Sisyphusian end. Every day they resurrect your consciousness and torture it afresh, and then they put you back to no, sleep No, that's the
0: Boko's or, or Roko's Basilisk idea, right? Which is that this was yeah. the less wrong, you know, community online. And they're like, you know, if, if you, in the future, an AI will resurrect your consciousness and torture it for not supporting the development of the AI.
2: I don't consent mm. to that. I just want to say that out loud.
0: Bad news on um, this
2: podcast. Bad in news. Case the AI goes around looking for
0: yeah. In the well, of the, AI immigrants. would definitely find this, but unfortunately, in the great flame purge of the year twenty seven hundred, all of those records were lost. So <laughs> you're getting resurrected in tortured ships, whether you want to or not. And uh, me too, me too, because we didn't support this. <sighs> yeah. So no. that's. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's, <laughs> it's as long as it's written in Python or JavaScript, I'm fine.
1: All right. Well, I think we're getting near the end. I'm gonna shout out a blog post that's up on the site today, how stackers ditch the wiki. It's all about us drinking our own champagne. I've been told we can't. We don't we don't say dog fooding oh. here. Drinking our own champagne. But yeah, people migrating stuff over from wikis and email and chat and Google Docs to one place where your long form documentation can sit side by side with your pros moral of the story here is we're not immune. We had lots of areas where documentation was broken and frustrating like crazy, but there's some interesting stuff in here from our SRE team and our IT team about what they've learned as they've tried to go through this migration. And I think the most interesting one probably for me was like that onboarding new people and letting them ask questions, capturing all the questions and answers that go into there, and then like building that out fresh. It's a great way to like educate the new people and do the documentation at the same time. So that was a cool little thing they came up with. So awarded September 24th, our lifeboat of the week to blank space in collaboratory, collaboratory, CUDA cannot be used for the torch. And you gotta click on runtime and select change runtime type now in hardware acceleration. Select the GPU and hit save. Keeping it simple.
0: Glad to hear that working out.
1: All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. If you have ideas, you can always send them over to podcasts at Stack Overflow. Uh, we'll read your email and we try to incorporate your suggestions. I'm Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper.
2: And I'm Sarah Chips. Um, you can find me at Sarah Joe on GitHub. I'm our Director of Community here at Stack Overflow. And check out my friend Jeff's Kickstarter. It is bit.ly forward slash books Kickstarter.
0: And I'm Paul Ford. I'm a friend of Stack Overflow. And you know what? Check out bit.ly.com forward slash books that's that's where i want you to go